1: Welcome along to Writer's Routine. This is the show that takes you through the working day of a successful author to see, very simply, how they get stuff done. And this week, we've got one of the most successful one of the lot on the show. Cecilia Ahern, she published her debut novel, P.S. I Love You, when she was just 21 years old. It became a blockbuster film and she's pretty much uh, published a book a year ever since. And she's back with a short story collection, it's called Raw. So we'll talk about how that started, the very first idea that she had for it, and, and what it's like writing a short-form story when you're used to bashing out 300-plus pages for a novel. Also, we talk about how being successful so young affected the way that she's told stories ever since. And you can find out why, for her, a laptop, it will just never do. I
0: feel like I'm a very visual writer, and when I'm writing with a pen, I am I can see the picture you know, I'm in the room. I'm in the scene that I'm writing, um, and where if I type, it's very mechanical, and it feels like I'm I'm thinking it more as opposed to feeling it. So, um, if the ideas flow so much better when I'm writing with, with my hands.
1: So stick around; it's on the way in this week's writers' routine. Yes, welcome along. My name's Dan Simpson. Thank you so much for joining me, giving Writer's Routine a download and a play. Uh, I'm back in the flat recording here again today, so apologies if, if you can hear the echo of the woods, the drilling from outside, and the people in South London that just seem to scream all the time about everything. Before we get going, I just want to take a very quick second to remind you, for the whole of November, we're being supported by the fantastic folks over at Scrivener. I genuinely do mean this. I honestly think it's the best writing software out there. I've tried a few over the years, and the reason why I approached Scrivener to, to help us out on the show is because I love the stuff that they do. It's designed by a writer for writers. It gives you everything that you need to get your story down. It acts as your one-stop shop. It takes the best features from all the other writing softwares that are on the market and sticks them all in one place. And this week, I thought I'd do something a little bit different, to me just highlighting how good the software is. I I thought I'd let a proper, fully published, actual author who uses Scrivener do the job for me. James Oswald, he's a crime and a thriller writer. He's written eight books in the Inspector Tony McLean stories. He's back with a different series soon. He'll be on the show to tell us about that in the next few weeks. And he always uses Scrivener to help him tell his tales. I,
2: I use Scrivener. I, I don't use probably more than about 10% of its functionality. It's the most amazing programme. But I use it because my books are structured in chapters and scenes. Um, so I use the the, uh, the layout... I've got the the, the 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 title bar, the content bar at one side, with all the scenes lined up one after another, with a little description of what what's happening in them, and it just helps me to keep um, keep track of what I'm doing as much as anything else, and just makes it really really easy to move stuff around. If something's happened too early in the in, I can move it down to a, to a later chapter, or I can move scenes back to earlier chapters, and it just helps me to. To, to organise my thoughts, it works well with with the way that I write.
1: As I say, James will be on this show in the next couple of weeks to tell us more about his working day. Uh, but there you go. I can't really be clearer to you, can I? He explains perfectly just how much Scrivener can help your writing. It's got everything you need in one place. A cork board, it's got a way to formulate your ideas, a place to plot, a place to plan, and it's really easy to keep track of the things that you're writing about to make notes. It helps you make changes as well. And the best part is for the rest of November, you can get 20% off Scrivener when you use the code Routine over at literatureandlate.com. Just Google Scrivener. The first thing will take you to where you need to go. If you head there now, you can even get a free trial of it. So you can download it, have a play around, see that I'm right when you've used it, when you know how brilliant it is, when you want to buy it, use the code Routine over at literatureandlate.com and you'll get 20% off Scrivener. Right. This week, our guest sharing her writer's routine, it's Cecilia Ahern, just an incredibly successful author. I'm so pleased that we've managed to find time while she's over here in England to get the story of her story. Cecilia, she's been publishing pretty much non-stop since she was 21. uh, When her debut, PS I Love You, it took off. It became a huge film starring Hilary Swank and Gerard Butler. And her new book, Raw, it features 30 stories about 30 different women. Now, we talk about why a screenwriting meeting in L.A. gave her the idea for the book and why she wanted to tell the stories of women who she often feels are left out. Also, we chat about why she needs to leave her house to go to work, why she does that, how she gets through writer's block and what happens when her characters take over. Also, uh, you can get some handy tips on why it's always good to have a Joe Malone candle knocking around nearby. Speaking of tips, we'll get a top writing tip as well that may change the way you work forever. It's from some publishers today, uh, so maybe that'll help you with some inside knowledge in finally getting the story that you're writing out there. That's on the way after the first part of our chat with Cecilia Ahern, and as always, we start with the place where she sits down to write.
0: So I have an office outside of my home, um, and it's I have a desk I have all of my books, and um, I have some art that I really, really love. For my favourite sculptor, Irish sculptor Orla Debris, So I have all the things that I love, and a Joe Malone candle, which I always liked when I'm writing.
1: Uh, an office outside of your home. Yeah. What? Why is has that always been the way?
0: No. When I had children, I decided um, to separate life from work, which has become, which was a really good idea actually, because it means when I close the door at night, you know, at six, six o'clock when i or five o'clock when I'm finished work. That's it. I leave the story and I go home and I have life. So nothing is meshing and, you know, overlapping. It just means that I can create in my creative space and I can live in my home, livey place.
1: And, and what's on the desk then? You say you've got your Jo Malone candle.
0: Yeah, I write longhand. so I have a, um, just a normal notebook and a blue pen. I do like to write with a blue pen, a Bic specifically. <laughs> and, um... And then I write a chapter and I transcribe, you know, I'll write maybe one chapter or a few and then I'll transcribe a couple of chapters and that immediately becomes my second, my edit, my first, my second draft.
1: Why is that the case? Why are you, why have you not just immediately moved over to typing away on a laptop? Why are you still persisting with the longhand? Is it something about... It does does it keep you kind of in tune with what you're writing do you think? Yeah,
0: I I actually love physically writing. I love the flow of pen on paper. I I feel like I'm a very visual writer and when I'm writing with a pen, I'm I can see the picture. You know, I'm in the room. I'm in the scene that I'm writing. Um and where if I type, it's very mechanical and it feels like I'm I'm thinking it more as opposed to feeling it. So, um if the ideas flow so much better when I'm writing with with my hands
1: and then then you say that you when you transcribe then that's Mm. kind of your first edit done that's it yeah how is the editing process for you is is it tightened up at all
0: yeah um well I've been working with my editor Lindrew for 13 of those books so we really have we 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 have a really nice thing going on where we really understand each other and how we work Um, I suppose what I do is I'll write my first draft and then I edit, 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 edit before I send it to my publisher. Um, She'll give me... I always do the same things. I always rush rush the ending. Um, You know, she always says the same things for every novel. But for me, I'm just kind of... As soon as I start a story, I can't wait to tell the story. I want to finish the story. So I do write it in a big rush, and it comes spilling out really quickly. And then my edits with her, I suppose, is slowing it down, being a bit more thoughtful, paying more attention to the detail and um, picking up a character that I may have introduced and then forgot halfway along the way. Um, yeah, so we'll do, you know, we'll do a kind of a broader edit and then then narrow it down. Then we've got our copy edit and proofreading. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of different drafts that come after that.
1: So, so you're telling me about issues that you know you have while yeah. you write. Yeah. If you can tell me, surely you're conscious of these while you're writing do you ever find yourself halfway through when you're writing it down longhand thinking oh hang on i know that i'm going to be flagged up to make this longer to draw it out a bit yeah. is that something that goes on
0: it, but it's not important i think because um it's so important to get the first draft down a lot of people think you know it has to be perfect in the first draft and it's not for me it's about getting the story down and seeing if it works uh seeing how it grows um and just going with the flow and and um and also, I don't know, there's this kind of flurry and this is excitement to tell a story that I have to do it very quickly first time around. And I know my process now. I, I know that the net, you have other attempts to improve it and make it better. And I write first with the heart and then second with the head. <laughs> um, and that's my style and it, and it has worked, so I'm not going to... I, I think if you start over-analyzing, you know, if I'm in the middle of a book and I think, oh, no, I'm right, I've written this scene too quickly... I mean, my editor is not a teacher. I'm not going to get into trouble. It's just pointing out to assist and suggest and help. So, um... Yeah, it's nothing to be worried about that I write it too quickly.
1: (laughs) So the show is called Writer's Routine, then. Uh, Tell me about yours. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go back to bed uh, on a day when you are writing, leave no tedious stone unturned, something that you may think is boring, I promise you isn't, so just bow on with it.
0: (laughs) Well, mine is very structured, you know, because I publish every autumn, so I start writing in January. Um, It's due at the end of May. I edit for the summer, and then it's published in the autumn. So overall, it's very structured. And then when I'm writing, I usually write about four days a week, probably Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, because it me be quite intense, I do like the Wednesday to do other things. Um, I'm probably at my office by 9.15. Um, I like to have a cup of tea and light a candle. And um, And really, it's just about writing. You know, I think the mornings are sometimes slow. It takes a while to to warm up my brain and the afternoons can be you know as it's getting closer to 5 or 5 30 it can be oh I don't have enough time but I wasted two or three in that morning so but you know as a writer every day is different some some days that you could just be doing so many emails and uh, phone calls and things like that um either interviews or you know with lovely publishers um and other days it's just about the writing so I think every day is different but it it's most important to try and focus on the writing I, you know. and actually to be more specific, because that's what you want um, every time I write I will write a chapter, so I will never begin a chapter and, and put the pen down without finishing and leave the office so um, I'll write a chapter in each sitting, which could take one hour two hours, three hours um, and then I could spend another week just f- fixing up that chapter, but each time I sit down to write, I write a chapter it must have its own Beginning, middle, and end, um, and when that's complete, it's complete. You know, sometimes it could be a page, sometimes it could be just one thought. You know, and then you move on to the next one. But I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I would don't go by word count. I suppose in early years, if if I ever um, encountered any kind of writer's block, and I was working at home, I would step away from it and start, you know, emptying the dishwasher or do the washing or something, or do something where I'm concentrating what I'm doing, but at the back of my mind, I'm always thinking of something else. Um, and I've stopped that <laughs> because I now have an office. Now I realize that you have to write through that moment um, and not panic about it and not think that no idea will ever come. Sometimes you have to write what's wrong to get to what's right. So it's just sometimes just a really long lead up to getting to the right part of the story. Um, and I realize a, a moment like that writer's block will hit me when I know... I know where I want to go. I don't know how to get there. And now my trick is to just get straight to the bit that I know. You know, write the part that I know. And that's what's supposed to come next. That bit that I'm trying to find to to pad it out and and bridge it is not necessary. So I figured that over the last couple of years, that whenever I get to that blank bit, there is nothing. Because there's nothing there. I just need to get to the bit that I know.
1: It's interesting. You you were saying early on, um, before you had your office, you could take time away if you needed to kind of get things going you could occupy yourself by I don't know doing a bit of housework or something like that is it a little bit of a drawback to having an office the fact that you don't have that release now the, the
0: no I think it's a, it makes me far more focused and that was the one thing my editor said after having my first child that I time is limited um you know and I'm working in a different way I used to work all night before I used to write all night and sleep half the day and that's not you can't do that. <laughs> you need to have a life. So um, it just means that I, I go to work and I'm far more focused. I, I get to say what I want to say quicker than I ever did before. So there's there's no, you know, floating around and, and being distracted. It really just have to get straight to the work.
1: So your new book is, is, is Raw. Yes. Tell me about the first moment that the idea for this story came into your head.
0: Oh, Okay. So it was about eight years ago, I was having a meeting with a TV casting agent in LA, and we were talking about demographics. And she was explaining to me why my books were particularly popular for TV um, in their world. And she was telling me about. Well, you know the networks really like stories about thirty something year old because they um advertisers really want to target at those people and it was a very depressing meeting <laughs> where, where I think i don't write for any of those reasons, you know, obviously they like the stories too, <laughs> that um, wasn't just the age group um, but I said to her, well, what about women over fifty five and she said, "Oh no, no, we don't cater for women over fifty five there is no TV demographic and I just came away from that thinking, well, not only do women feel as they're getting older, that they're invisible. But I was just sitting in a meeting where I was told they're not being catered for, they're not being thought of, they're not being targeted at, they're not hiring actors of 55 because they're not starring actors of 55. Um, and that inspired the first story, which was The Woman Who Slowly disappears which is about a woman who, as she ages, she's disappearing because she feels society doesn't value her, thinks she's relevant, doesn't see her, and as a result, her body is reacting. And I was on a holiday, um, a family holiday in Kerry. And my kids were very young, and I needed a timeout. <laughs> so I grabbed um, a pen and a piece of paper, and I walked down to the sea, sat on a bench, and I wrote that story um, so i don 't know what that said about me at the time. Maybe I was telling myself don 't disappear here you know don't don 't become invisible um, but that's, it was kind of slowly over a few years, just this idea that not only do women feel like they 're invisible, and not just women actually, but you know elderly, we often say they 're the invisible people in society because um they feel like they're invisible so that was it it was bubbling in my head for for quite a while many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: More from Cecilia Rehearn in just a sec. And we've got a top writing tip that may change the way you work forever on the way next. Uh, Very quickly, though, I'd love to say hello to Anne Harrison Barnes. Uh, She's an author and she got in touch with us over at writersroutine.com. And she just sent a lovely message uh, all about our episode with Ian Rankin. Uh, she said that she doesn't know what it was about the interview, but that it, it added fuel to her creative fire. And that the night that she listened to it, she wrote over a thousand words in her NaNoWriMo, it took me two attempts to get that right, NaNoWriMo novel. That's the National November Writing Month, uh, which is perfect. Anne, I'm so glad that the work we're doing is helping you out with your work. Now, if you've enjoyed anything that you've heard so far on the show, if any of the chats that we've had with some of the biggest authors around, Ian Rankin, Gabriel Talent, Karen Slaughter, if any of the tips that you've got from those have helped you out, I'd love to hear about it. Now, the best way that you can let me know is by leaving a review for us over on the iTunes podcast store. Find Writer's Routine on there. And if you can, I'd love you to leave five stars and drop your name as well so I can say hello just like I have to Anne in the next few weeks. It's the best way to help us out, um, aside from grabbing a copy of Scrivener, by the way. Head over to the iTunes podcast store and leave Writer's Routine a review. It's time to get a writing tip that may change the way you work forever. Uh, This is where we grab a quick extra minute with guests that have been on the show in the past and then we ask them perhaps what might be the most important question? What's the one thing that you could tell someone that could make their working day easier? Now, this week, it's the turn of two publishers. They've co-written a book all about how history's most remarkable women would have solved 21st century issues. Hi, I'm Beth Coates. Um, With my co-author, I've written a book called What Would Buddha Could Do? Um, Everyday Problems Solved by History's Most Remarkable Women. So my writing tip is to... Get away from your desk, get away from your piece of paper, go outside, take a walk, breathe in the fresh air, try to go somewhere that's green or has a river, i.e. not the streets of the city. If you can, find a park, and that I find always clears my head and sets off a new train of thought. Uh, hi, I'm Elizabeth Foley, and uh, with my co-author Beth Coates, I have written What Would Could Do?, everyday problems solved by history's most remarkable women and my writing tip would be to make sure that you get something down as a first rough draft and the way that i do that for myself is to set myself a time limit to say okay i've got an hour and i have to come out of that hour with some words on the page and I think that can start you off. It's always easier to edit something that exists and make something that exists better than to create something from nothing. Now you can catch up with the whole interview with Elizabeth and Beth that was on last week's show uh, and you can get details all about their brand new book. It's called What Would Boudicca Do? Uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcast from. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify and it's over at writersroutine.com. Let's get back to it then, the second part of our interview with this week's guest, Cecilia Ahern, one of the most successful authors working today. She's pretty much written a book a year since she was 21, when her debut novel, P.S. I Love You, took the world by storm. It became a massive movie. She's also written screenplays. She created the series Samantha Who over in America. And she's back with a brand new book. It's called Raw. It features 30 stories about 30 women. And we start the second half picking up on that. Short stories. How does someone that focuses most of her uh, creative attention on novels and and writes out 300-plus pages of them start with uh, writing a short story? How does she begin? What's the difference?
0: I feel these are like a snapshot of a moment um, in my character's life when they're going through this transitional, pivotal moment and they're assessing their life and they're thinking... I got me here, now I need to get me out of here, you know. And because of the, the theme of the stories and the way that they're written, you know, they are four or five pages and, and that's it. The you know, problem is assessed, um, problem is kind of solved, and it's a lovely, empowering moment at the end. Um, I decided, I suppose, when I realised they were a collection, I decided to not name the characters, um, it all became, every title is The Woman Who, and I decided after about five or six stories that I wanted to keep them nameless because they're every woman. Um, you know, if I had been writing them not as a collection, I probably would have given them names, so that, that changed that. Uh, but I felt, you know, some people say short stories are very difficult to write, but because of the theme of these stories and... Uh, the concept and the kind of surreal nature of them and because every title and every story is taken from a metaphor or a phrase or an idiom that we know and I've just made it literal it just meant that I they were endless you know everywhere I looked it was ripe for material every time I saw somebody I thought oh the woman who does this the woman who does that and it was about trying to stop myself from writing them but it became um it was addictive and it was like a I, I it was so much fun breaking all the rules of writing in a way and uh and just summing up a moment. And after I wrote, I, I wrote the story, I felt like... <sighs> you know, it just was, felt like really good therapy for me. So that's, that's how I can sum up. That's the difference between... You know, the novel is a longer commitment, obviously. You're going into backstory, and you're looking for ways that the story can grow roots and how other characters can grow, and how many other kind of mini-stories can you introduce into that novel. This was about pairing it back and just making it simple on the surface, deeper at its heart, and uh, yeah, it was fun. I had so much fun.
1: So when you're writing a a full-blown novel, say 450 pages, how much are you planning that? How much do you know about each chapter? How thoroughly are you thinking through your characters? Or are you just letting things happen? What do you know about your story before yeah. you put it down? It's
0: a mixture of both. It's a mixture of planning a lot and then just going with the flow when you're writing. I wouldn't have a chapter-by-chapter chapter synopsis, but I would definitely know kind of uh, the whole arc of the story, and I always know my ending. Not not the exact scene, perhaps, but I know what the resolution's going to be and the feel and the tone of it. Um, so I would, I, would always, I would... Before I even put pen to paper to write chapter one, I would be writing out quite a lot a summary of the story and as I do that it grows and grows and grows um, I'm always looking for ways for each character to grow um, you know, what, what more can they bring to a story uh, the way I work I always come up with a, a plot first so it's kind of the overall concept and then the character and then I think what kind of character would find themselves in that position and um, and then that, I suppose, the character feeds the story and then the, the story feeds the character and then they just grow together. But a lot of the best parts of a book are the bits that you haven't planned that just happen on that moment when you light your candle and <laughs> put pen to page. And, you know, I, I think I wasn't expecting to write that, but that is my favorite passage from the book. So you have to be both. It has to be. You definitely have to plan, but then you have to be prepared to let a story grow go wherever it wants to go itself.
1: And how much license do you give yourself to let it grow? If you find possibly one of your characters doing their own thing, he's taking the story off on a turn that you didn't expect, do you completely let yourself roll with that, or do you think, hang on a sec, buddy, let's just rein it in for two seconds?
0: No, I think you have to let it happen, because sometimes you know, when you're plotting out a novel from the beginning, you think, oh, the character will probably be ready by this stage for this incident to happen to them. Um, and when then you get to that point, and they're not, you know, it, it makes more sense to go in a different direction, or um, something else needs to happen before you get there. So I, I have, you have to be free, but also not too much so, in that you kind of lose your way. It's it's a bit of both. It's it's impossible to really. You know, and every book is different. You know, it, it, there's no kind of formula that you can follow. You just have to really try to keep it. Sensible <laughs> but also let it be free. <laughs> well, I don't write romantic novels, and that's the fun bit to talk about. Um, I, out of 15 I've probably written six romantic novels, okay. and, but the perception is is that I write romantic novels. Um, some of them but I do write about love, so some of them can be you know relationships between family. you know the marble collector is about a father and a daughter. There was no romantic love story there. Um, flawed and perfect were kind of thriller stories. But I will always have... Love is a really important element of the story. I think what's important for me when I'm writing is... I want to have a really clever concept. You know, something smart that's never been done before. Um, but I also want to be a storyteller. You know, I did this event with John Boyne the other day. And he said... You know, he's a brilliant Irish writer. And he said, I, I, I don't want to hear that one of my books was just beautifully written. you, know, you want... ...it's nice that it's beautifully written... ...but you want to have a really good story as well... ...like that you were a great storyteller... ...and that's important to me... ...to have a clever story that's unique... ...with a a different perspective on something... Um, ...and I don't... ...sorry readers... ...but I don't write for readers... ...I write for myself... ...and I think it's really important... ...to give the reader something... ...that they didn't know they wanted... ...so it's not about... um, ...feeding a market... ...it's really about writing for yourself... ...try to be surprising... ...try to challenge yourself... ...try to be different... And, um, and, and I suppose when I finish one book, I always want to go in another direction with the next book. I don't ever want to write, write the same novel again and again. I want it to be moving. Um, and I do like to balance it with some sort of humour or whimsy or something unique.
1: Your debut novel, P.S. I Love You, is made into a film. It sells millions of copies. How do you think that affects the way the next 14 books are told. It's not every day that a debut author's, yeah, as I say, debut is so successful. Mm. Do you think that affected the way that you told your stories?
0: Um, It gave me a huge amount of confidence at a very young age. So I was 21 when I wrote PS I Love You and um, the the movie deal was done at the same time as the book deal. So before it was even published, it, it was already an amazing beginning to a career. And I think... You know, one of two things could have happened. I could have totally freaked out and not been able to to deliver. But I just took it as such encouragement that, you know, I do have a talent. And I'm going to... The way I'm going to deal with this is by sitting down and writing the next one. And how am I going to deal with that by sitting down and writing the next one? You know, every single time I published a book, I just got more encouragement and more confidence in myself. So I used it to the best, (laughs) to my best advantage. Um, Yeah, it's been... It was... It was an amazing opportunity at such a young age that I wanted to to take in the best way possible and make the best of it.
1: Do you think seeing your story and your characters on the big screen played by actors that we all know Mm. uh, and possibly tweaked here and there, did that change the way that you thought about stories in the future?
0: No, I always... I suppose when I wrote PS I Love You, I wasn't thinking of it being a movie at all. And so I became quite stubborn in that that was the way I was going to continue to write. I'm not writing a book to become a movie. I'm writing a novel. You know, I want to tell a story. And if anybody finds it appropriate, you know, if anyone wants to adapt it, then that's great. That's a bonus because it helps the book gets a lot more awareness out there, introduces it in, introduces it to a wider audience. But it's not why I write. You know, and not every book is going to be appropriate for film. Um, but I, I do know that I'm a visual writer, and that's why. P.S. I love you that's why producers are you know attracted to my stories they can they say they can see the stories as they're reading them um, but it hasn't uh, but, but the movie hasn't made me like that that is what has made the movies if if that makes sense so i haven't i haven't no i certainly wouldn't ever change anything to just make it become a movie
1: So that is it for this week's Writer's Routine. Massive thank you uh, to Cecilia Ahern for sparing the time to chat to us. You can find all the details about her brand new book, Raw. It's over at writersroutine.com. And remember, we've teamed up with the Writers' Block Virtual Book Festival to give you the chance to win $2,000 worth of book marketing prizes. You'll get a book trailer made, you'll get help from editors, you'll get reviews from book YouTubers, and you'll even get an interview with me on this very podcast so you can tell me and us and everyone that's listening uh, how you wrote your story. If you want to get involved, if you want to enter, find out more, search for The Novelette on Twitter, The Novelette. Find her on Twitter. She'll give you all the details. And while you're on Twitter, by the way, give us a follow. If you fancy, we are at Writer's Pod on there. You can find us on Instagram too for daily motivational quotes to help you through with your work. And remember, if you do want to help out the show, head over to literatureandlatte.com and you'll get 20% off Scrivener, which I genuinely think is the best writing software out there. I promise it'll make your working day easier. Use the code Routine, R-O-U-T-I-N-E, You'll help us out and you'll help your own work out too. And we're back next week. I'll see you then. We've got a really deep, thoughtful chat uh, with Ben Schott off of Schott's Almanac and Miscellany. And he's talking about his brand new book. It's a pastiche uh, to PG Woodhouse. And I love Woodhouse. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you then uh, with Ben Schott next week on Writer's Routine.